Welcome to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help busy, high-achieving women overcome the financial stresses that can impact your health, wealth, and happiness. Join Erica as she explores ways you can create a healthy balance of financial wellness and replace limiting beliefs and bad habits to harmonize your journey toward total emotional and financial wellness. Let's get started. Welcome to part two of Erica's two-part series on money mindset. In part one, Erica talked about what it is and how to determine how you feel about and relate to money. I'm Patrice Sikora. Here in part two, Erica talks about your beliefs about money and how they can hold you back. All right, Erica, you say these are called limiting beliefs. Tell me about that. Yeah, they are limiting beliefs because if we finished off at the last episode, it was talking about whether or not we need to change them. So what is our money mindset? How can we determine where it comes from? What are the things that have created that money mindset? And then a lot of the conversation around how you feel about money is this need to change it. And what we said in part one was sometimes you don't need to change your money mindset. But in this case, if you find that you have a lot of what we call limiting beliefs, they are beliefs that don't serve you. And instead they're really holding you back. They keep you thinking small and avoiding your goals. So the very first thing that we want to do, if, if we have in fact acknowledged that we have some limiting beliefs, we have some feelings about money that tend to hold us back from moving forward, then the first thing we want to do is at least identify them and then eventually start to release them. So from the questions that we went over in the first episode, you can start to identify your beliefs about money. So for example, I mentioned that I grew up in a single parent home. It was my mom for most of our, our week and, and months. Money was tight. There was no question that we definitely had to watch everything. And it was quite a shock to go from having a married household where there was two people that were you know, taking care of things. And my dad was the primary breadwinner. And then I had to watch my mom go back to work and turn from this stay-at-home mom to this incredibly successful professional. So on the one hand, her path showed me that anything was possible from a professional level. But on the other hand, I have always been really conservative with my own spending. And on top of that, although I have had a wonderful marriage for almost 20 years now, I've always made it a priority to be financially independent. So that whole notion of not relying on someone else. So the beliefs that you may uncover could feel positive, negative, or neutral when you're going through these exercises. They might guide you towards that scarcity or abundance thinking that we talked about in, in episode one. Those are all okay. We just need to start by naming them. So this is just going through and actually naming what you believe. It's breaking some of what you've discovered into beliefs that you might be holding on to. So you can use these questions to make a list of your beliefs and your thoughts and perhaps your fears about money. So what are the central beliefs that drive the messages you've gotten about money? What are your financial decisions and goals say about your beliefs about money? Why do you feel the way you do when you think about money? So when you think about money, if you get that nervous feeling, or if you get that notion that you are not doing enough or there should be more, then 
what belief is dry? Why is that there? And then which beliefs or fears lie behind the places where you feel resistance around money? So if you've been saying 2022 is my year to plan, I'm going to get my financial life in order. And then all of a sudden, here we are, it's, it's middle of February and you haven't moved forward or you started to do a little bit and then it stopped much like we all do when we have our weight loss plans every year. We have to figure Let's out. not go there. Yeah, Let's right. Not go there. Exactly. <laughs> I have my relaunch as we speak. So, so <laughs> when you have these fears and it kind of, you feel that resistance, you know, what, what is causing that? What are the true beliefs that are, that's making you feel that way? So when we talk about naming them, the next kind of step is identifying what these limiting beliefs are. So review the list and for each belief that you feel you have. So for example, if I believe that at all times, money may be gone in an instant, or I may have to save for a rainy, rainy, rainy day. Now it's time to say, okay, that's my belief. So maybe I have a scarcity belief about money. And a lot of women do. A lot of women feel let's earn it and put it under the mattress. Let's not take a lot of risk with it because I don't want to lose it. So it's that scarcity mindset. How is this belief serving you? So now it's identifying how it shows up in your life. So can it be a positive and a negative? It can. So I think that with my being conservative in my own personal life, I certainly think that that has prepared me for times when things were rough. So when markets go up or down or bills get more expensive or, you know, the kids need more, it is nice to, to be able to say my conservative nature has allowed us to maybe get through that time period a little bit smoother than others. But at the same time, it can also not be positive if it's holding you back from moving forward in your work life or moving forward in taking a leap with your business, making an investment in your business, maybe getting extra skills that are going to cost money to go back for, you know, whatever type of education you might need for your job. So it's figuring out what it is and there's nothing negative about it until you realize if it's serving you positively or negatively. So we can say being conservative, that's what I named my belief. Is it serving me? And there may be times that it is, or there may be times that it's not. And then what does this belief protect in you or your life? So my belief in at any point in time, I may have to really have a rainy, rainy day fund. It has protected me at times when we needed to dip into savings or, or unexpected emergencies have come up. But at what point in my life, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, where I can say, geez, I've given up some things that maybe I would have enjoyed now in lieu of being just so prepared for that offshoot, you know, one-off that I'm so concerned about. And again, I think women do that all the time. Yes. It's very common. And it's something that is definitely, I don't ever like to paint everybody with one broad brush, but there's a lot of scientific data out there that shows that women are more conservative. We don't invest as much in the stock market because we are so concerned with losing something. We would much rather not see it grow as much as opposed to potentially losing it. And so I think we need to look at these beliefs and say, is it still serving us or is it in fact holding us back? So first let's be positive. We celebrate the beliefs that still serve us. 
So if we go through and say, always nice to have an extra strong rainy day fund, even if it's with me where I've always thought that my mom, like I said, could do anything. So I have had a pretty positive belief in the fact that even if a particular job is not going well or something's not going right throughout my whole life, that there's always another experience that I can find and I can always better myself. So these are good things. If you take a look at your life and say, these beliefs are great, say a little thanks to yourself and the environment and the experiences that helped you develop those beliefs. So give yourself a pat on the back because you do have positive money beliefs, but we have to highlight the ones that no longer serve you. And these are where we get to that limiting belief. And they could be things like my belief that money should be saved and always there for a rainy day. Those definitely helped me work hard and be humble. And keeping up with the Joneses was never really something that was important to me, but they've also limited my imagination at times. Or lately what I've noticed, and this may be something that a lot of listeners might relate to, I'm in my late forties and My kids are now in their teenage years and for a good chunk of our life as a family, I have been focusing on saving for the future. So what I do for a living is planning for the long-term. So making sure we have enough for retirement, making sure we have enough for college. And I have definitely realized in the last two years, ironically during COVID, that we didn't spend a lot of money and we didn't spend a lot of our resources on vacations with the kids on doing things that I wish I now look back and could say, wow, a vacation here and there we could have afforded. And it would have been time that maybe I may not have going forward as the kids get older. So I think that there is certain negatives to this belief that I had that we have to have this huge amount of savings. We have to constantly work on the future. It's in my opinion, a really great thought is to find that good merge between what's important to you now, meaning spending time with the children or spending resources on building your career, or maybe finally breaking out and starting your own business. And also making sure that you're blending it with your need to prepare for the future. So finding that perfect blend. And that's what we do all the time at work. We help our clients figure out how to be present but also making sure we're not compromising on our future and doing so. That's a really hard position to find, I would think. Being in the moment, but also being prepared. It is very hard. And that's where, you know, shameless plug, that's where financial planning is is really helpful because it's taking an outsider's point of view, somebody who's not necessarily emotionally connected to these decisions. And I think also 20 years of working in this role for me, I have not only my professional experience and hundreds of clients that I've worked with that I've seen how they've been able to manage both in either a good way or a not so good way, but also just my own life experience. So finally saying, and I say COVID ironically, because my 2020 new year's resolution was to spend more time on vacations with my kids. And then lo and behold, oh, a great time. Lo and behold, great time. here's March and everything shuts down and nobody went on vacation for a while. But I kind of, you know, turned lemons into lemonade by saying I also we were trapped in a house together. So we had a lot more quality time. Maybe not exactly <laughs> and the way to save. Yeah, maybe and you get to save money. Yes, maybe not the way I would have expected it to be. But these are the things that you want to try and find that that good merge between the two. How do you release these beliefs? 
So this is where there's the, this is the work. This is where we have to try and imagine ourselves and our life without these beliefs. And I like to use these questions to kind of write a little story about the you who doesn't have these beliefs anymore. So for example, what changes do you want to make about your career or your financial situation? So get that journal out that you answered all those questions from episode one and say, okay, what would I like to change? Not whether or not it can be done, not the big plan and picture on how to get there, but what do I want to change? And then how do your beliefs stop you from making those changes? So what's that initial thought that comes to mind? If you say, I want to take that leap and start my own business. What beliefs do you have? I won't be able to pay the bills or I you know, can't balance having my health insurance and retirement plans with not having that. And so what are all those beliefs that are stopping you from making these changes? And where would your career or finances be if those beliefs weren't true? So how does it feel to imagine being in that place? I'll bet you it's uncomfortable. It is, but at the same time, if you just decide to dream for a little bit, and just think of what it would be like to have that job. What would your life look like? Maybe you'd have more work-life balance if you started your own career, or maybe you would just feel more purposeful or you'd be happier going to work every day. Just think about how you would feel if in fact those beliefs weren't true. So they weren't holding you back and you were able to get to that point. So now you wanna go through each of those limiting beliefs that you identified and kind of write a brief explanation of why it's completely untrue. Why is it completely untrue that there's a limited amount of resources out there? Why is it completely untrue that there's only one position for you and that's the only position you're ever going to have? And even if you feel like you're making it up for now, so even if you feel like you're making good excuses, go through the exercise anyway to imagine a reality where this belief is just untrue, where you can find more resources if you need to, you can find a better career path, you can create abundance for yourself. And you wanna to return to these three steps anytime you feel stuck in your progress around your work or your money. Naming your beliefs, identifying them with the time and awareness that you need to put to each one of these, you can really start to release them because you're literally telling yourself they're not true. And you're replacing them with more expansive beliefs that help you to move forward. Now you use this idea of journaling quite a bit in this. Yes. Yeah. I think that writing things down, even if it's the most disorganized, I don't care if it's a notebook. I don't care if it's a piece of paper that on one side has your kids math work for the day. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Getting it out of your head and onto a piece of paper, it's actually can make you just feel for a moment, the ability to say, ah, oh, it's out of my head. It's out of my head now. And then maybe you go back to it and start to organize it. But I really think that journaling is a way for you to get all your ideas on a page without feeling like you have to be super organized. And then also this ability to look backwards when you feel like you need to kind of reinforce things. So deep dive journaling exercises feel really good, but ultimately it's not going to be what sustains you to getting rid of these limiting beliefs in the long term. So you have to start to give yourself reminders. They're kind of, these beliefs are embedded in your psyche. For all of us that are 
at our point where we're, dare I say, middle age, we've created these money mindset, these beliefs for decades. So one journaling exercise isn't going to entirely uproot your mindset. So we need to start to change that money mindset on a daily basis where you create awareness and action around them. So this is all about creating the systems and the processes for when we revert to those old beliefs and those habits. It's very similar to any other habit we want to change. So if it's exercising more often, going to the gym for one week is most likely not going to create a habit. And most likely there's going to be some excuse, whether it's weather (laughs) or you're tired or we can find ways. A whole list of excuses. Exactly. Exactly. So this is all about creating systems and processes for what do we do when those excuses are coming in or what do we do when those limiting beliefs start to creep back again? We need to start to give ourselves reminders. And these are the anecdotes to those limiting beliefs coming back. They express the expansive beliefs that you want to take hold And it's basically just hearing yourself say over and over again, so that you can convince your brain that they're true. It's built into your life in any way that works for you. You could say them out loud. You can have them on a post-it note. You can hang a poster with messages to yourself, whatever it is. They're basically mantras for you to try and utilize on a regular basis that says things like, there's always more. I deserve to be well-paid. Yeah, I'm, give me some examples of yeah. this, right? I do I'm healthy. I'm rich. I'm worthy of everything I have and everything that's coming my way. I know what to do with my money. I can't tell you how many women I've watched move from feeling stuck and scared to feeling empowered and, and just independent and raring to go. And a lot of that is just knowing what to do with your money, knowing how to move forward. My income could always increase. I have the power to create the healthy, rich life I want. I love this one. There's more than one kind of wealth in life. So So true. Yes. To just be able to say, you know what? I know what wealth means to me. And I have a really clear idea of what it means to me. And it's going to be different from everyone else. And I know what that is. And I know that I can achieve it. And I'm, I'm proud of what I can achieve. So things that allow you to now get away from that resistance around the conversation about money and more about, I want to embrace this conversation. I'm excited. I know that I have a a certain amount of control over where I'm going to be and how I'm going to get there. And then you talk about new perspectives. What's What's that about? Yes. So this is, if you're going to shift your mindset about money, you'll need to discover new information and different stories that challenge the messages that you've always gotten. So all that work we did to figure out how we had created our money mindsets, whether it was when we were kids and we saw messaging around us with our parents or at our home lives, or whether it was how the neighbors talked about money or how your friends talk about money or how you feel with your planning. All of these things were stories and information that you have gathered and has created these beliefs along the way. So we need to discover new information. And I say, this is where you seek out education. You seek out books, you seek out workshops, seek out this podcast so that you can start to discover and nurture new perspectives about money. Speak to new people, read inspirational content, study a variety of ways to approach finance that you find joy in. Because exposing yourself to these stories and these different perspectives from outside of your world can really reinforce the reminders that you're giving yourself on the inside. 
that's probably one of the biggest, we love what we're doing right now is because we're, we're hoping to re-educate or to educate in, in ways that can continue to enforce those reminders. And look around you and create your own stories too. That is all such fantastic information. And yes, I think it is, especially for women. For men, yes. But I see you talking about this. I hear you talking about this and I see these notes. It's like, I know a lot of women like that. And I will say I'm in there. Yeah. 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 And this is where, this is something where it has to be on a regular basis, something that you address. And that's where the journal is so great. Some of my best journals have been ones that I've kept for a long time on a variety of different things in my life where I'm able to go back weeks, months, even a year and look at how far I've come. Because sometimes when you're feeling that hesitation, you're feeling those limiting beliefs, that's when you really need to look deep and say, wait a minute, I was here before and look at where I am now. There's no reason I can't expect that I'm going to continue to get better. And that's where this last part is, is experimenting with new money habits. So the whole point of changing your mindset is to change your financial behaviors and habits so that you can love the ways work and money fit into your life. You could have any number and variety of money habits that serve or limit you. Untangling those and strengthening the good and dropping the bad is a long process and a lot of work. I'm not saying this can happen overnight. So instead, just experiment with one thing right now. One of the best quotes I heard recently is more isn't better, better is better. So instead of going down this list and saying, oh my gosh, I have so many things I need to do. There's so many limiting beliefs I have. Just commit to doing one small thing. Do it for a week. See how you feel. Maybe it's tracking your expenses. Maybe it's finally opening up those envelopes that have been piling up on your desk. Maybe it's going on. And although it hasn't been a great time period in the market, maybe it's going on and just figuring out how to log into your accounts for the first time or saying, I'm going to start to organize this. Whatever it is, if you love it, do it another week, then two or three. If it's not working for you, drop it and try something else. Experimenting means you're taking the pressure off of that kind of giant project of self-improvement. This thought that everything has to happen and perfectionism is the only way to move forward. This is only an experiment, so you can't fail. So keep moving forward saying, I don't have to do all 10 things on my list. I just have to do one of these better than I did before. Just one change and sticking to it is going to serve you and will be far better and self-sustaining than trying to tackle everything at once. So I'll give you a few money habits you can try out this week. I'm listening. Go right ahead. Okay. Number one, practice some gratitude. Through journaling or mantras, raise your awareness to what you're thankful for each day. And really try and focus on your financial life, your work life, the things that we're talking about on the podcast. And just say, you know, I'm really thankful for my job. I'm really thankful that I know this much about money or I, whatever it might be. And then be generous. Maybe give money away. Consider how it feels to be generous, regardless of whether you have a lot or a little. You could map out your money so you could get a handle on where your money comes from, where it's going, and what matters to you. You can even go as far as just to use jars or envelopes. I use a spreadsheet, but we have those bills that come once a year or every six months. And sometimes that can cause so much anxiety. The tax bill is coming or the insurance bill is coming. 
start to develop a system where you're taking a little bit every single month and you're setting it aside for these once every six months, once every 12 month bills. We used to do this when we were younger, when we didn't have spreadsheets and we didn't have all this technology, you would just have an envelope and you put $10 in each envelope. Think of it that way, only it might be digital now, but this way you start to have an, a notion of where the money's going and start to create at least some boundaries around your budget. You could look for a positive role model. So is there someone around you who has the relationship that you want to have with work and money? Is there somebody that you consider to have it a successful relationship with their finances? And which messages and stories do you see them sharing? And then this is a big one for women. Ask for more. When faced with a negotiation with a client or an employer, before the conversation, write down the pay you want to ask for and add 10% to it. What's the worst that'll happen? Even if it makes you a little uncomfortable, you'll get a no. Okay, well, go back to the drawing board and figure (laughs) out how you're going to ask better next time. (laughs) But you may just get a yes. Or at the very least, you may feel a confidence in yourself that you haven't felt before because you decided to just go for it. These are things that you can do. And like I said, experiment. If you get a no, experiment failed. It doesn't mean life is over. <laughs> true. It just means true. maybe you have to figure out a different angle very next true. time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, really what we want to try and do, and I'm hoping that everybody that's listening, that you've maybe at least kind of discovered a bit about kind of a deeper understanding of your relationship with money, that you have at least the blueprint to start to discover these things about yourself is understanding the root of your beliefs about money and identifying which of those beliefs serves you and which don't will help you see why you behave the way you do around work and money. We want to learn to release your limiting beliefs, discover new perspectives and experiment with new habits. They will strengthen your financial muscles and help you move in the direction that you want to go. Today is just a start. So the suggestions that we made as far as those exercises, return to them periodically to dive deeper and deeper over time. You'll be astonished by how much you have to learn about yourself. Those journals, I cannot stress enough. You really start to learn how you show up. And when you look outside of yourself, we all have role models in all different aspects of our life. If there are other people out there that you feel at least comfortable to say, how do you, how do you get to this feeling? How do you feel so confident? That's where you're going to learn how to change your beliefs as well is to just give yourself the experience to be around different stories. And please reach out to us for more information. I have witnessed firsthand the amazing transformations that are possible when you get to the root of your belief systems before you tackle the numbers. It is the very reason you find long lasting success and fulfillment is by just getting to the root of that belief system. And I was just going to say, well, how can listeners reach you? Well, you can find us on our website at harmonyfinancialwellness.com. You can certainly email me at erica.cummings at rbc.com. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, and you can continue to just listen to the podcast. And to do that, follow Erica's podcast, A Strong Woman for Strong Women to make sure you know when the latest episode is ready for you. Share with the women and the men in your life as well. Erica, thanks so much. I'm Patrice Devora. 
and let's talk again later. Thank you. Thank you for listening to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest as of the date of this recording, is subject to change without notice, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE FINRA SIPC. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investments should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional service provider.